Hey, this is Brent Jensen. You're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. Brought to you by Pariah Pickups. Quality handcrafted guitar pickups made with love. Down in Detroit City, pariahpickups.com. This week, I welcome back a friend, the incredibly talented Mr. Blair Packham. Blair is one of the good guys in the industry. He's one of those guys that reaches down and, and pulls you up and helps you out. He's been extremely helpful to me since my earliest days, and uh, it's, it's a pleasure to host him on the show and a pleasure to be his friend. Here he is. Blair Packham, how are you, my brother? Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. What is going on with you these days, my friend? Well, you know, the same as everybody else. See, I'm, I'm locked down, and I'm not <laughs> t- taking it cavalierly. Like, I'm being pretty serious about it. But mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm accomplishing some stuff. I'm making a, a record, the same record I've been working on for years. But, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, uh, it's coming along. Like, I just keep writing new songs and adding new songs to it. And, I, you know, what they say about mixing. Mixing is never done until, you, you know, until the power goes out or until you decide, okay, I've had enough. Yeah. You know, because you can just keep twiddling the knobs forever. So uh, I'm doing that. Oh, I've started writing a book. That's oh. uh, me, me and everybody else, it seems. Anybody I talk to is like, oh, yeah, I'm on, on the fifth chapter of my book. You know. <laughs> See, that's a funny thing, because until the book is actually in your hands or in their hands, it's not real, right? Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people say, well, I'm writing a book. And when I did that, Blair, people kind of looked at me and said, oh, that's so nice. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> But I I know you, and I, that book will come out. So so what's it about? That's awesome. It's um it's about my life in music, which you know, given that I'm not I don't know Mick Jagger or David Bowie or or something like that, it's it it sounds pretty unpromising, I think. <laughs> but I'm a good storyteller, and I have a bunch of stories. I have a like I just started thinking about it a while back, and I thought, oh my god, I tell this story all the time. Like for instance, the story about how. I came to play piano um, with Rick Danko of the mm-hmm. band at uh, two different gigs and just how it happened and what, what happened and what it felt like. And, and, and I thought, that's a good story, you mm-hmm. know, and most people can't tell that story. And also there's the, for me, there's the element of, you know, our mutual friend, Rick Emmett, for mm-hmm. instance, if he told a story like that, we'd be like, well, yeah, you're Rick Emmett, you know, <laughs> but for me, it's like, well, yeah, but I'm Blair Packham. What am I doing playing with with Rick with uh, Rick Danko? Yeah. You know, um, so there's an element of that. There's a story about me meeting BB King when I was 12 and the advice that he gave me. Wow. Um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, meeting David Bowie, a comforting Duran Duran. That's wow. a, that's an interesting one. Yeah, but these are all like weird little. They're they're little short little vignettes. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's not. You know, but what inter interweaves in between all of these stories is my love of uh, and subsequent life in music. How really, you know, this kid taking guitar lessons. I mean, I I don't have any illusions that my career has been remarkable, but I what's remarkable to me is that I'm still doing it mm-hmm. and I'm still making a living doing it, you know, and I've built a life doing it and I'm I don't know, I'm kind of amazed. So I figured I'd share that amazement. Well, you are a humble chap, sir, because uh the Jitters did very well and we remember them very fondly. Well, I'll tell very you that. Kind. No, 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 it's true. You, you know, you and I were talking about this. Sean Barrett, uh, a friend of mine that you're going to be working with actually on his book, which is really cool, yes. a book about guitars and what it was like, you know, to own your first guitar. You know, you made his day. And uh, he, he's, he was a big Jitters fan. I was a big Jitters fan. So, I mean, you know. Oh, well, yeah, well, he was a very kind guy. And, 
he, he made my day actually just being so generous in his uh, praise of of the jitters and so forth so that was nice that was very nice well you have made your mark i'll tell you that oh well you, thank cer- you. you certainly have and you know what i'm going to tell you something else while while i'm on the topic you you have been uh, extremely helpful to me over the years you know when i first started out you're one of those guys who reaches down and you know pulls people up and uh oh, well, that, that doesn't always happen. I, I appreciate all the help that you've given me, so thank you. Well, you're very welcome. I, I was saying to Sean Barrett, actually, uh, about that. I said, I think I'm what Malcolm Gladwell calls a connector. You are. There's and, no question. And I, I just, I get pleasure from that. You know, the idea that, you know, that I can connect you with Rick Emmett, for instance, who mm-hmm. who is my longtime friend and, and you know, somebody I, I love. And, the, and I know Rick, and I know what a great person he is to, to connect with other people because... He's so lovable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's so mm-hmm. great. You know, so it just makes me happy to do that. So, you know, it's it's no big um, stretch on my part to uh, to help out. But I'm I'm thank you. I, I appreciate you saying so. Doesn't go unappreciated. So now this new record, Blair, so this would be the first one since 2017's Unpopular Pop, I believe. Is that right? Yep, that's right. And it's a complete left turn. Well, no, it's not a complete left turn because it still has my songs and my singing, but it's a different format. I've deliberately restricted myself to, uh, it, it, it's going to be a record by me and my band, The Impossible Dream. Mm-hmm. And we're an acoustic trio. So, you know, where in the past I've had a tendency, sometimes a terrible tendency, to layer on all kinds of crap on top, on, on top of the songs. <laughs> Because I like it, I would just you know I you know I'm from that sort of Sergeant Pepper White Album uh, Abbey Road you know school of you know hey why don't we put a French horn on this you know <laughs> um, and and I love doing that but but I deliberately restricted myself in this case so the songs are uh, mostly acoustic guitar upright bass and drums mm. um, now I say mostly because I allowed myself tambourine and I allowed myself like one other instrument like a twelve string guitar or a baritone guitar or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that's it and and yeah and I've got uh, I've got five songs ready to go and I'm working on another five so yeah it's, so it'll it's, be a, I, a full record it's going to be a full record eventually but um, I am going to release the songs one by one mm. um, I'm I'm not sure I'm I don't know I I think I'll probably have to press up some copies just to feel like it's real mm. you know as we were saying about books before it's not real until it's in your hands mm. and and if it's only digital downloads it's never in your hands so. I'll probably have to press up, or maybe I'll do vinyl. I don't know. But, uh, uh, at this good. point, at right now, my plan is just to release a song a month, starting in I think in April. Oh, nice! So quite quite soon. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, you know, as, as you were talking about unpopular pop, there keeping the song stripped down. I was, I was thinking about the story behind the name unpopular pop, and how you got that from your dad. <laughs> yeah, which is a great right. story. I love that story. Do you want to tell it? Yeah, sure. Well, well. My father, my father who passed away years ago now in 2003, he wanted to sort of get an idea of what it is I did. It's funny, you know, you have, like, I have, you know, my son is 19, and, you know, I know much of what he does, but I don't know everything now, and as he grows into adulthood, I, I just won't, and you sort of feel like, if you have a kid, well, you know everything about them, but you don't. And mm-hmm. with my dad, at a certain point, he was just curious. Like He said, what do you call this music? I think after I made my first post-Jitters record. And I said, well, it's pop music. And he said, like, popular. And I said, well, no. I mean, it's pop music in the sense that, you know, the choruses hopefully are catchy and the songs are, 
you know, three and a half minutes long. They're, you know, they're sort of in a classic format. And he said, but it's not designed to be on the radio. And I said, well, I'm, you know, at that point I was almost 40 at that point. And so, you know, I wasn't really chasing getting on the radio, you know, at that point. If it happened, of course, you know, and I, and I got played on CBC and I got played on campus radio and so forth, but I wasn't chasing commercial radio and probably just as well. But yeah, he, I said, he said, not, you're not like not chasing radio. And I said, no, it's not really that kind of pop music. And he said, oh, it's so it's, and he's just like trying to get it straight. You see, so it's like an unpopular pop. (laughs) And, and I sort of recoiled a little bit because I thought, well, I don't know about unpopular, but, uh, <laughs> but, but maybe not obviously popular or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, I thought it was, I thought it, you know, it sort of rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Unpopular pop. I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you have got a great list of songs here. The list begins with Ron Sexsmith and speaking with the angel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is from Ron's first album which is uh which came out in 1995 Mm -hmm. ron's songs have always killed me he he would open for arlene bishop my my Mm ex-partner and i i played music with her and i was married to her and and produced her records and stuff and she's a brilliant singer songwriter but ron would open for her or open for us uh at the cabana room which uh, you know i think the capacity was 30 people the the at the Spadina Hotel at King and Spadina, and because uh, Arlene did a res- residency there, she, uh, also Moxie Fruvis and Bare Naked Ladies opened for her there too. That's oh the, wow, that's, that's the kind of fame that everybody had at that moment. Anyway, so Ron's songs killed me even then. This particular song, "Speaking with the Angel," it's just such an interesting point of view. It's it's about Ron's son mm-hmm. Christopher. Uh, when he was a baby, Ron had a had had his first baby really young. He had a a fling with a a woman named Jocelyn, and they found themselves uh, pregnant. and uh, And he was really young, and and uh, so he he married Jocelyn, and and they had Christopher. Eventually, they had uh, Evelyn as well. But Christopher was just born, and Ron wrote this song about the innocence of babies of of children. Mm. And uh, you know the words are so beautiful. It's always the words for me. I mean, it's all, you know the words and the music, but the words are really important. He, I, I'll just read the first verse. Um, he don't know how to lie or undermine you. He don't know how to steal, how to deal or deceive. So leave him alone. Set him free cuz he's speaking with the angel. Speaking with the angel that only he can see. And, and uh, you know, would you teach him about heaven? Would you show him how to love the earth? Would you poison him with prejudice from the moment of his birth? Just, you know, about this innocent baby and the and connecting that with, you know, why the baby's crying. He's speaking with the angel. Just mm. just kills me. Yeah. Ron played on Unpopular Pop, didn't he? Yeah, he sang. Uh, he didn't play. He sang on a couple of songs. Okay. He and uh, Stephen Page sang on a couple of songs. Um, right. I, I had them over. It's funny. We did the. <laughs> this is how long ago we recorded that part. We did the ice bucket challenge. Oh um, wow! Yeah, <laughs> Ron dumped the ice on me, and Stephen filmed, and uh, then turned the camera on himself. That's and, funny. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, that's how long ago it was, though. If you remember the ice bucket challenge. Oh yeah, yeah. In my backyard. Wow. Elvis Costello, I love this pick, Shipbuilding from Punch the Clock. This is one of my favorite Costello records. Beautiful, beautiful song. Now, it's one of the few, maybe if only, I don't know. I'm, in, I'm a huge Elvis Costello fan, and yet I, I don't know if this is the only song that he hasn't written the lyrics for. Mm. But 
uh, Robert Wyatt, the uh, the British poet, wrote the wrote the words, and Elvis wrote the music. I don't know. And uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that he's ever done that. Otherwise, I really don't know. Mm. He may have done it a million times. Who knows? But yeah, the lyric, just talking about the machinery of war and bringing it down to the human level. So he, you know, the the song is set in a uh, in a town where they build ships, where that's the that's the industry in that town. Mm-hmm. And, and it asks the opening verse, "Is it worth it? A new winter coat and shoes for the wife and a bicycle on the boy's birthday." It's just a rumor that was spread around town by the women and children. Soon will be shipbuilding. You know, shipyards are going to be open up again because of the impending war. And in this case, it was the Falklands War mm. and uh, Britain going to going to war again. And and uh, it's just so deep. It's, you know, about about the conflicts that happen. There's another verse. It's just a rumor that was spread around town. Somebody said that someone got filled in for saying that people get killed in the results of their shipbuilding. Hmm. Just the idea that, yeah, we're building ships, you know, for our country to win this war, but people are going to die. Yeah. Like people on our side are going to die as well. Yeah. Again, a, a really moving song. And finally, the, the line that kills me the most is this. With all the will in the world, diving for dear life when we could be diving for pearls. Meaning... We spend all this time and energy trying to hurt and kill other human beings and dominate them. Well, like, what if you spent those resources? I'm not saying that it's not necessary at times. You have to defend yourself. But I'm just saying, what if humans were able to spend that time doing something beautiful? And the metaphor Robert Wyatt uses is is diving for pearls. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we could be, you know, living lives of, of joy and, and seeking happiness and joy rather than, you know, trying to defend our little corner. Yeah. So anyway, it's it's always been a very moving song for me, and uh, you know I always think of it anytime the the war machine starts gearing up again. Yeah, yeah. As you were talking about that, I was thinking about Sting and Sting growing up in a in a shipbuilding town. I don't remember the name of it, but I'm wondering if it was maybe the same one because that was the industry. And Sting talked a lot about the dark cloud that hung over the town as a result and you know that that was why he became sting was to get out of that town yeah it was he was from newcastle i think mm. uh, i think i think and i think it is a shipbuilding town mm-hmm. so yeah 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 it's double-edged i suppose yeah think about lyrics oliver's army is is a similar thing yes yeah yeah, yeah. great lyrics but yeah. brave lyrics yeah brave lyrics exactly um yeah. Yeah, uh, Elvis Costello. Uh, the, the the songs I prefer by him are ones that are a little more straightforward lyrically. Mm. The ones that's uh, although I was going to say the ones that seem like a pastiche of of clever ideas and rhymes and so forth uh, leave me cold. Except uh, you know, with with the exception, for instance, of Beyond Belief mm-hmm. from Imperial Bedroom, mm-hmm. which is just this. You know, endless litany of clever rhymes and ideas and images, and it's it's so great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I like that stuff. I mean, like even watching the detectives is kind of like sly and kind of funny. But I, I, I oh I, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom Petty, Dreamville from the Last DJ. Okay, so this period in my life i i think given you know the pandemic we have we all have a lot of time to reflect and some people are choosing to reflect some people are it's driving them crazy mm-hmm. having to reflect they don't want to some people are you know as you know i'm i'm not the only person writing a book 
<laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> There's so many people writing books because they're reflecting on their lives and their existence. They're writing songs. They're writing poetry. They're, you know, people are being more creative, arguably, you know, than ever. And then other people are feeling the pressure to be more creative. And Dreamville is about that innocent time when you're a kid and and you're you're caught up in something. In this case, music. And this is something in you know in my writing in my book uh, right now that I'm thinking about is my my youth. My mm -hmm. You know, when, when I would sit with my Espana guitar, it's it's a like beautiful guitar with a carved top. I mean, a cheap guitar, but a guitar with a carved top and binding around the around the outside. And I would just sit and and hold it in my hands and stare at its curves and uh, and the way the the finish was glossy, with, with the way it would reflect the light and and stuff. And it really was like I. And this is while I'd be listening to a Neil Young record or or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd be listening to music, but staring at my guitar. I gotta tell you, I'm 61 years old, and I still do that with my Stratocaster, and I do it with the Espana sometimes too. I still have that guitar. Mm -hmm. So you know, I'll, I'll be lying around listening to music, and I'll be like just holding the guitar and staring at its beautiful curves and the, the way it was so beautifully made. And Dreamville is like that. Tom Petty says, going down to Lillian's music store to buy a black diamond string. Going to wind it up on my guitar. Going to make that silver sing. And so I don't know Lillian's music store. It doesn't matter. That's like anybody's music store. It's a mom and pop store. It's not guitar center. It's it's not, yeah. and no disrespect to Long and McQuaid, but it's not Long and McQuaid. It's like some, it's a mom and pop store. To buy a black diamond string. Black diamond was a brand of strings that I, I don't know. I haven't seen them in 30 years. Hmm. But it was a brand of string that I bought for my guitars, you know, Black Diamond. Oh, and, uh, that's cool. Yeah. And so as, as soon as he says those things, I'm like, dude, I'm with you. Yeah. You know, I get it, you know. And then going to wind it up on my guitar, like it's it's so exciting. You're Like I would ride my bike, you know, to the music store and, and like get a, get new strings and put them on my guitar. And, 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 I, and I just knew this was going to be it. Like when I got home and put them on, like it was going to sound so great. And I was so excited. Yeah. And he says... Like it was Dreamville a long time ago, a million miles away. All the trees were green in Dreamville. And it's just this dreamlike song that transports me to my own childhood and the own, my own roots of, of loving, loving music. Hmm. Nostalgia. Yeah. Nostalgia. But also it continues, as I say, you know. Like for me, like I still sit with my, I've got a surf, uh, seafoam green Stratocaster. Mm-hmm. That is, that's it's like a 1950s car in the in the cur the way the curves go and the the finish and the, I don't know just everything about it is so yeah space age in the 1950s sense yeah and, uh, yeah no I I do the same thing I've got my guitars up on the wall and I've got a, a cream colored strat and I just I find myself staring at it just because it's such a beautiful thing to look at you know. The industrial design that went into the Stratocaster is so, it's just so beautiful. It's so curvy. It's so curvaceous. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, as I say, space age and, and the color of mine, because it's this seafoam color, it's, it's really a little outlandish. And, and so it reminds me of like, you know, a, a beautiful Cadillac from the, from the late fifties. Right. There's, it's just, there's just, you know, you expect it to have fins on it or something. <laughs> the, you know, it's funny, the Telecaster, which was the Stratocaster's, predecessor mm -hmm. um, it's much more of a workmanlike guitar yes it is yeah 
and the 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 strat is sexy and and you know it, it's got all these curves and and uh, i don't know it's it, there's something and you know it, it's it's funny i say sexy and yet when i first fell in love with the stratocaster i didn't know what sex was so it was <laughs> it was you know it was more like the the guitar just spoke to me somehow in a primal kind of way yeah oh that's a special thing in itself really yeah yeah no, I like that. I, I completely agree with you. I've got all my guitars up on the wall, and I find myself staring at them often for, for <laughs> that too. same reason. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's very like you know, I, I like a good painting on the wall, and I like some good pictures, mm -hmm. uh, the photographs, you know. But I really like guitars on the wall. Oh, me too, me too. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of mine, actually. Oh yeah, yeah Dude, I've, got, I've got six of them up there. Oh nice. Yeah, well, you have to get out here actually soon. Yeah, that yeah someday uh, someday soon with a mask. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, hopefully this will be over by summertime, late summer, and we can get something going. I've got a, I've had one vaccine. Oh, you've got your first shot. Good. Yep, I've got my first shot. So good. Someday soon. Good. I'll have yeah. my second. Good. <laughs> Very good. Crowded house, sir. I feel possessed. Yeah, crowded house were so important to me. They represented I mean, the jitters didn't sound anything like Crowded House, but in terms of the humor and the pop sensibility of, mm -hmm. of the band, but pop sensibility with lyrical depth, mm -hmm. um, it, they really meant a lot to me. I got to know, well, much, much later, I got to know Nick Seymour, um, the bass player, oh. uh, a bit he, he and i i would i would say we're friends i mean i've stayed at his house in ireland nice. um but we don't hang out because he's in ireland um mm. but uh, you know we converse on the internet and um, so forth but and neil finn and i crossed paths a few times as well and that was you know always very exciting for me this particular song i had gone to england for a promo tour for the jitters we had uh done a tour opening uh, supporting heart oh, um, wow. and heart uh, yeah oh i we, saw that poster uh, in your house actually yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah we uh, we did a tour. We ended up three nights at Wembley Arena, mm -hmm. and uh, and it was really something. And we had a great time. And then shortly after that, uh, the, the band had a couple of weeks off or a week off, maybe. And anyway, I went to, to England to do a promo tour for the next single. The label Parlophone, um, you may have heard of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they they were the Beatles label. Yeah, they had me come over and 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 I went to a, a record company convention and so forth, some interviews and and visited retail and stuff like that. You know, sort of standard non-gigging promo tour sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And on the and and then I was given access to the uh, Parlophone CD locker, which at that time CDs were so valuable that they kept them in a locker, like oh. like a vault in the office, and it was locked so that people wouldn't just go help themselves. Mm -hmm. But for me, the visiting artist from North America, from Canada, they said, um, pick out some CDs. And so I did. You know, I didn't want to be greedy, so I think I got four or five CDs. Then my label person, um, her name was Jilly Marsh, mm -hmm. she said, oh, here's one you're going to want that, she, that wasn't in the vault. And it was the brand new, it was a like a... A promo copy, unreleased Crowded House record, Temple of Low Men, which was their oh. second second album. Yeah. And the first song is I Feel Possessed. I had a, a disc man. I'm trying to think, actually. You know what? I think I'm mixing this up because I think she gave me a cassette of it. That's what it was. Oh. It was it was a promo cassette because I, I didn't have a disc man on the – not yet. I had a disc man later. But uh, this was too early for disc man. I still had a Walkman like playing cassettes. Mm -hmm. So on the airplane, I queued it up, ready for takeoff. I hadn't heard a note of it. And so flying out of England to go back to Toronto, I pressed play and then I Feel Possessed started. And the timing was so great 
because just when the song sort of kicks into its, you know, its big part, uh, or I'll bring the house down, I hardly know, and, and the band sort of kicks in, is when the plane took off into the air. Oh, perfect. And it was just so, and I will never forget it, you know, and, and it's such a beautiful song. I have no idea what it means really, but it's about uh, domestic uh, disharmony maybe i'm not mm. really sure um i really don't know but the words are so they're still beautiful and poetic i just don't really i wouldn't pretend to know what they they mean mm. beautiful song though but it, it has that indelible memory for me that is really cool i like <laughs> that last tune i do i'm not familiar with this one is john legend and everybody knows everybody knows is a breakup song I don't feel it as deeply maybe as some of these other ones, but I've had a few breakups, you know, in recent years and, uh, but also missing, you know, missing people. And I, and I've had some, I've had occasion to, to miss people. Let's mm -hmm. put it that way. Mm -hmm. So the lyrics, again, it's the lyrics, but it's also his voice. He has a beautiful voice. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm just going to read a little bit. It gets harder every day, but I can't seem to shake the pain. I'm trying to find the words to say. I'm calling your name and no one's there, and I hope one day you'll see nobody has it easy. I still can't believe you found somebody new, but I wish you the best, I guess. Because everybody knows that nobody really knows how to make it work or how to ease the hurt. We've heard it all before, that everybody knows how to make it right, but I wish we gave it one more try. It's one more try, because everybody knows. So, I don't know. It's uh, It speaks to me. Well, yeah, you can certainly find commonality in that. You think about the breakups that you've had over the course of your life and... Yeah, and just, you know, life, I've, I've come to realize that for humans, if you live any length of time at all, life is partly at least about loss. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you lose people. You lose people to death and you lose people to, you know, to breakups and uh, just people drifting in and out of your life. And, mm -hmm. and uh, um, sometimes those losses are fine. You don't really feel it. And sometimes they, you, you feel them deeply. And mm -hmm. uh, this song speaks to me about that, I think. Have you ever been in a situation where you've thought about somebody from your past that maybe you've left behind or vice versa and you kind of look them up? Yeah, I generally don't do the leaving. I have to say, I, I you know, when I'm friends with somebody, I'm prepared to be friends with them for life. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't mean that we're going to be close because you can't be close with, you know, a million people all at once. But, you know, if they call me or if they get in touch and they, you know, need some time or, or whatever, you know, unless we've had some kind of a break. Mm -hmm. I tend to be that person who would, who would be like, yeah, you know, let's hang out, whatever. But people, ha there are lots of people who aren't like that. People mm -hmm. who feel like it's important to break off relations with, if you, if you're done with somebody, like I tend to think it's a, a little, I think of it a little cynically, actually. I feel there are people who are like, yep, you're no, you're of no use to me anymore. So, yeah. and then they disappear. And I, and I think, well, okay, I can see that, but it bugs me and it's kind of hurtful, I find. That said, those people will sometimes get in touch or I will cross paths with them. And then next thing you know, we're friends again. So mm. I don't know. I've definitely done it. I mean, social media makes it easy. Obviously. Certainly. Yeah. I had a conversation with somebody once and they had a theory that people serve each other over certain points of, of each other's lives. So, you know, we're talking about university friends and how, you know, living in dorm, I lived in dorm for a number of years and you just kind of you forget about people that, you know, maybe you had deep connection with at that time. But the person said, you know, th that person was there for you and you were there for them, you know, at that time and you served each other and that's enough. And I just thought, I don't know if I agree with that or not. Well, that 
smacks to me a bit of that that sort of you know you are of no use to me anymore mm-hmm. kind of thinking. I just don't I just don't like it. I I I I'm not looking for people to serve me. I'm looking for people to connect with me emotionally and to you know be interested in who I am and and me be interested in who they are. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, like, and 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 also, I have to say, I'm spectacularly unambitious, and and no, I mean, compared to a lot of people, like, you know, I just want to play guitar and I want to write songs and I want people to be moved by my songs, but I'm really not seeking any great success or anything. I mean, I once was with mm-hmm. with the Jitters, and then with Arlene, my my former wife. You know, when we were together, I was very ambitious on her behalf, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm really not that way now because I kind of like just being. And just, you know, do the the doing of it so that when I meet somebody who's you, you sort of feel like, oh, yeah, they can see that I'm useful for them right now. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, you know, screw you, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I just don't it doesn't resonate with me and it seems false and phony. Well, so. you know, also, Blair, particularly at this point in our lives. Right. It's not like we're 21 or. You know, it's, it's a very opportunistic thing to begin with. But, I mean, later on, at our age, none of that should be going on, in my opinion. I agree. I, I just find it kind of kind of creepy. Uh, I like to hang with my peeps. You know, mm-hmm. I like to feel like I'm with like-minded people. And honestly, you know, if I find myself at an event, like, you know, say I would go to a SOCAN event where they, they're hosting an event for... Um, you know, writers for film and television, which I, you know, still do, mm-hmm. uh, music writer. You find yourself in conversations with people, and I, I, at first, used to go and, you know, I'd be talking to somebody, and, and you know, they'd say, hey, great to meet you. Uh, you know, I've heard heard your name a lot, and and so forth. Uh, what are you working on? And I would, wouldn't have come with a prepared answer. Mm-hmm. So I'd go, I'd say, nah, not much. because i i wasn't there to like work the room i was i don't know not even sure why i was there but i could see people's eyes glaze over because because they want you to say well i'm working on this thing the last time i worked on this we you know we won a a grammy and uh and i'm working with so and so and Mm -hmm. and you know sort of listing off your credits so that they can then say hey well maybe we should work together too because Uh. you know they're seeing you as a stepping stone i get it i just don't like it that's yeah. all. No, neither do I. It's a game that a lot of people feel like they have to play, I, I, I think. And I just, I just, I'm not sure why. Like, I'm not, I'm trying to actually get rid of my physical possessions. I'm, try, I'm not trying to acquire more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't understand, you know, this, the materialism. I'm not saying I'm a saint or anything like that. Not at all. I, and I'm not saying I'm better than them. I'm just saying that I, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. I mean, I drive a Kia and I like it. You know, mm-hmm. I really have no need to drive a Lamborghini or or even a BMW or a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. I don't really. I mean, if it's demonstrably a better car and it'll keep me safer and it'll be a more enjoyable ride, sure, I can I can understand that. But as a status symbol, eh, I don't really care. Yeah, I don't know. That's wisdom. Oh, I friend. guess I am a saint. I, you, now, you are. You, yeah, I can't help it. I'm just I'm just too good for this world. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's what people are saying about you. <laughs> Sean Brett finally, finally they <laughs> all right my man thank you so much this has been uh, a great chat as usual likewise yes I, yeah. yes I enjoyed it very much uh, and as I say when uh, you know the vaccines get put in arms let's get together for sure yes all right. to do that okay. yes please all right all right then I will uh, uh, I'll send you uh, 
Well, stay on. I'll just wrap the show up here. Stay on for a second. Okay. All right. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, Mr. Blair Hackham. Till next time, folks. Take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide. 